for far too long we've been told what to do what to think how to be no more the old paradigm is crumbling falling all around us burn it all it's my mission to bring you back to your natural state of luxury to lead you to an empowered place with energetic intention luxury is a personal expansive experience one that's been kept from you hidden away a soul experience broken into a million pieces luxuriously fierce is for those who know there's more who desire more even if you don't know what more is it's for those who are ready to burn old paradigms to the ground and walk through the flames to the other side for those who are ready to be bold in their being fierce in their feminine luxuriously fierce is not just a brand it's a movement it's not something i do it's something i am Together, we are setting fire to the old and forging a new path, a new world. One where openness and truth are the norm, where changing the world begins with healing yourself. If you're here on this earth, in this lifetime, to light a fire and burn everything you believe to be true to the ground, Welcome to my world. Burn it all and watch the ashes fly. Welcome back to the Luxuriously Fierce Podcast. I am so excited to have Hannah full with me today. Hannah is an intuitive eating coach, a registered dietitian, and energy worker. She uses her fiery personality to empower her clients to find love and compassion for themselves. And we love a good fiery personality over here at Luxuriously Fierce. Through rewiring around food and eating, Hannah's clients heal their lifetime exposure to diet culture. Her work brings women back to their innate, innate ability to feed themselves exactly what they need to meet all of their needs. I love that. Absolutely love that. And I've been having so many conversations lately around this diet culture. Like, it's just everywhere. And I'm over it. I'm tired of it. The world is tired of it. We need more people like you, Hannah. So thank you. thank you so much for being here. Seriously, thank it's so, so much. It's so insane. But I'm so excited that you're here. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so <laughs> excited to be here. I'm so excited that you're here because truly the amount of diet culture conversations that don't go that are, they're not aligned with the person as Absolutely. a being, as, as a human, yeah. is just, it's appalling. And I was saying to someone the other day, I was watching an episode of The Big Bang Theory, and I don't know if you've ever seen that show, but um, it's about 30 minutes long with commercials. So, you know, average 22, 23 minutes per episode, you know, we have like seven minutes of commercials. Every time a commercial came on, I saw two ads for weight loss. So like Noom and Weight Watchers or two Weight Watchers or, you know, whatever it is. And I was, I was honestly appalled. And sometimes I really sit and I think, and I'm like, has this always been this way? And I just never noticed. Or is it getting worse? Like, I don't know. And I want you to answer that. But first, can yeah. you tell us about yourself? <laughs> yeah, no worries. We're going to get into it. I will go on and on about diet culture for hours. Do not worry. Not that Okay, long, good. But- I'll go, I'll go into it. Um, so yes, I'm Hannah. Thanks again so much for having me. I am a registered dietitian. I guess a little bit about me. I have been on my own personal food healing journey ever since I was in high school. I grew up in a household where I was very confused about like what a healthy relationship with food looks like. My mom was constantly on the diet, like pursuits. My dad was also constantly on the diet pursuit, but just they were on different ends of the spectrum as 
far as like restricting versus chronic dieting, cycling over and over again. And then, you know, growing up, I grew up with one of four kids. I was one of four kids and we, you know, there were foods that were forbidden in the household that we weren't allowed to have. And there was a lot of like sneaking food around, stuff like that. So I grew up, you know, very, very young with a disconnected relationship with food and no fault to my parents. Like this is so normal and so common in our society that like everybody grows up because grows up this way because our parents' relationships with food are also disconnected because they grew up in diet culture as well. So then I landed in high school, very concerned about how my body looked, um, you know, social pressures, high school, all that stuff, and found myself with a full-blown eating disorder, ended up in treatments, healed from that, did a lot of work, a lot of therapy, all that good stuff. And then eventually went to college. And when I was in college, I resisted really, really hard studying nutrition because I was like, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not going down this path. But I was really interested in psychology and I was really interested in how we got here. How did my parents, how did my household, how did I end up in this situation where our relationship with food is so broken? So ultimately I was like, this is, this is what what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to empower and help others heal what I went through. So that's, that's what I did. I studied nutrition. I became a dietitian. I, you know, for anyone who's familiar with the field, it's called dietetics. It's got a lot of diet culture in it. It's got a lot of calorie counting, macro counting, BMI, weight centric focus, all of that stuff. So I also had to break out of that and, you know, learning about all of that stuff, it's very clinical and medical and all of that, but in our day-to-day -day lives, it, you know, with people talking to people, that stuff has no place. Um, so I think it's really important that we are talking about diet culture. I'm seeing it talked about more and more, which is so beautiful. If anybody even knows what diet culture is, I'm like, we did it. We're doing amazing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, continuing to facilitate these conversations about diet culture and, you know, breaking out of this societal pattern that we've been in where our society is so focused on weight. So now I am an intuitive eating coach and dietitian, and I am working with one-on-one -on -one clients. I have a group program launching by the time this podcast will have aired, it should be just about launched. But so I work through with my clients through the proven fr framework of intuitive eating to completely rewire their brain, rewire their thinking around food, heal the relationship with food and bring peace back into their life so that they're not, you know, always seeking the next fix, always, you know, feeling shame or guilt from eating or being like this weekend, I'm going to do better or tomorrow will be different, right? We don't want to be living in that place. So it's all about just bringing us back to this peaceful relationship where we are comfortable with our relationship with food. So yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. <laughs> I love that. I love it. One thing that I just wrote down like so many notes, but <laughs> one thing that you said that stood out to me was that you resisted all of this at first. Like when you went to school, you resisted learning about food and, you know, and all of that in diet culture. And I'm just, <laughs> I wanted to laugh, not laugh like at you. you but we, were, we were just, well, we were just talking about divine intervention right before we mm -hmm. hopped on here. We're talking about divine intervention and how things, you know, they work out in divine timing and wherever there's a resistance, there's something there that we need to look at. And like, of course you felt resistance to all of this because this is where you needed to meet, right? You needed to meet this resistance and move through it. And then, you know, here you are. And it's mm -hmm. so, I love it. Cause I find it so empowering. Now, when I meet a resistance, I'm like, okay, what is this? What does it mean? What needs to happen? How do I move forward? But the resistance is where we are, right? Like that the resistance is for us in so many ways. And I love that because yeah. I feel like, I feel like that really just sums up 
everything about like everything about kind of you know weight loss and weight loss journeys is that there's a lot of resistance there because of the conversations that we're having around food and eating and dieting and eating disorders and all that stuff and like you said we need to break out of that absolutely yeah i love that you bring up the divine resistance because honestly like such a wonderful perspective that i definitely never had before like thinking back to it i was like well you know i always thought well maybe i shouldn't have been doing this right like maybe that was me like my intuition telling me no like you shouldn't actually be doing this but i mean obviously on my spiritual healing journey like i know now about you know leaning in so it's yeah i love that perspective um i don't know what was the other thing you said about yeah so diet culture and like the weight loss stuff yeah i mean ultimately diets don't work right so just back to like circling back to the divine intervention stuff it's like diets don't work because that's not what we should be leaning into and it just brings us back to the same place over and over again where we feel like crap about ourselves and then we're trying to fix it and fix it and then the cycle ensues and that's not what you know you're not broken right we don't need to be fixing ourselves but okay so let's let's start with diet let's define diet culture for anybody who's listening Mm -hmm. and they're like i don't really know what's going on here let's define diet culture okay so if you think about it i'm going to give some background and then we'll get more specific if you think about it as you grow up right as soon as you are ready to like take the breast like you're put on a feeding schedule you're disconnected from your hunger and fullness cues okay then we grow up and your parents are like clean your plate you know you have to eat all your food you're being disconnected right there from your hunger and fullness cues all of that stuff contributes to this disconnection from food and can contribute to like the concept of diet culture when we use the term diet culture what we're really talking about is social media tv magazines conversations that refer to any type of it could be fad diets but it could also just be like removing foods or taking stuff away right so if you look at like a smoothie something on social media, it's like, eat this smoothie, right? It's not necessarily diet culture, as long as it's painting it in like an added end light. But if it has something like, you know, you're going to be healed from this smoothie. This is going to heal your chronic disease. This is going to, ultimately that comes from a place of restriction, right? Because there's something else that you're, you feel like you shouldn't be doing something else and instead you should be eating that smoothie, right? So if it's about, if it comes back to restriction in any way, it is diet culture. The more you look out for diet culture, it's so, so heavy in the wellness industry, which is so tough and frustrating because I love the wellness industry <laughs> and I love the, all things spiritual and embodiment and all this beautiful stuff, but diet culture has just seeped right in. Um, that we need to eat clean and it will, it paints it as if it's going to make us spiritually pure, right? But those things are just very separate. So yeah, that's pretty much diet culture in a nutshell. Any, anything relating to restriction. I love that. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I'm, I'm sitting here kind of reflecting on that because like you said, anything that has to do with restriction. And I think that the way that media runs now, first of all, has taken away a lot of our critical thinking skills that we probably were not very nurtured to begin with. But the, you know, media marketing is very clever in that it doesn't necessarily talk about restriction but is actually restrictive like what you were just talking about with the smoothie you know we paint it in a light like this smoothie is going to help you alleviate nausea or like help you know like relieve your irritable bowel syndrome or you know whatever it is 
and it's painted in this light of like this really good thing. And so we don't think of it necessarily as being restrictive when it Mm -hmm. actually is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it gets, there's, it gets really nuancy, right? It gets very complicated, but the very base, like that's a, that is a pretty, that's a more complex example, but at the base of it, like if, you see before and after pictures, right? Somebody's posting their weight loss, like before and after pictures, that's diet culture. If you see, you know, if you overhear a conversation where somebody's talking about the diet that they're on and they've dropped 10 pounds or whatever it is, that's diet culture. If you hear somebody trying to convince you to eat a certain way or go on a diet, that's diet culture. So anything that just, it comes back to this restriction, right? And then it also can be viewed in the eyes of the consumer. So depending, like someone might see that smoothie ad and they feelings of restriction might not come up. They might say, oh, I'm just going to eat what I was going to eat and add the smoothie in. But for other people, mm-hmm. it's going to be more of a diet culture trigger. So ultimately it's, like in our like in our society, a push to just get rid of this stuff would be great because we're so so deep into diet culture, and it's just completely consumed. I mean, how many times can you scroll and not see something relating to diet culture? This is one of the first things I have my clients do is just identifying in your daily life all of the diet culture that just keeps popping up because it it truly is everywhere. I can imagine how powerful that is for people to you know once they have this kind of extent not necessarily extensive but a you know broader definition or understanding of what diet culture is and what it entails and what it looks like to then scroll through social media and or even you know sit down and watch tv for an hour mm-hmm. um and see all this stuff and i think oh that it's so powerful and so sad at the same time. <laughs> it is really sad. Oh. It's really sad. That is. Because it's so deeply ingrained. And we've been seeing it since we were kids, you know? Like, it's it's like programmed into our subconscious mind. And, like, that's what's shaping our, our eating behaviors and our relationship and our thoughts with food. Yeah. Wow. I have so many questions. <laughs> one of okay, one of the things that came up for me when when you were speaking earlier um, was restricting food. That is, I feel like that's a very common thing and blatantly common. Like you said, growing up in a household, and I did too where it was don't eat all of that if we're talking about like a bag of chips but if we're talking mm-hmm. about dinner it's you need to eat your dinner and you need to clean your plate and there are starving kids in the world mm-hmm. um that kind of thing but then i thought when restricting food just makes you want it more right so we have this very blatant like eat all of the food that's on your plate eat all of the food that I've given you, that I've presented to you, but don't eat all of that. But like when, when it was, you know, me as a child or someone else as a child getting their own snack is don't eat all of that. So we have this like dual thing. Yeah. We have this duality here where there's, I can't do this on my own. And so you never learn to do it on your own. And it, I'm sure that's something you see a lot of. And of course, I like, as I'm talking right now, I'm just like recognizing my own patterns. Like as I, <laughs> I feel like I don't have a good like grasp on what I'm saying because I like, it's all coming to me and like, I'm recognizing it, like recognizing it in this moment. Um, now I'm like, when, when did I, have I ever learned to eat on my own? <laughs> this is a rabbit hole, Hannah. Like, <laughs> so you nailed it you you understand it perfectly right like these are 
conflicting and confusing messages. And when mm -hmm. we're growing up and we're developing our eating patterns and styles and relationship with food, it's very confusing and it's very conflicting. So, I mean, just as you said, the clean your plate, you know, you must eat all your food when I'm telling you to eat all your food. But then when you're actually hungry for, you know, a large snack or whatever, whatever snack you want. And then they say, no, you shouldn't be eating that. Like you're feeling very confused and your physical sensations, your hunger and fullness cues get all mixed up. But I also want to make a point that like you're saying, you're realizing this, like in yourself, the thing about this stuff is, is everybody has experienced this. Not all of us are aware of it. I mean, you might meet some people that are like their parents just help them develop a great intuitive eating pattern. But most people, because they grew up in our society, because they grew up with all of this diet culture and our parents giving us these confusing messages, have a lot of work that we can do to keep healing our relationship with food. It is normal. It is everybody. So that's that's the most mind-blowing thing about all of this to me. It's just how vast this is and how much it affects literally everyone you don't have to have an eating disorder or be like a chronic dieter right literally anyone can benefit from intuitive eating i love that and i'm i mean i don't love it i love that everyone can benefit from <laughs> intuitive eating but how do you go about starting like when someone comes to you and they're like i never learned how to listen to my hunger cues i never learned how to be present with food, mm -hmm. how to have a relationship with food. And I think that, I think a lot of people just think it's straight up weird to have a relationship with food, but you have a relationship with everything and everyone mm -hmm. that, you know, you come in contact with. Um, how do you go about teaching that? Yeah. So intuitive eating is a framework. So it's, it's made up of 10 principles that I work through with each client. So obviously every client is going to be like, I struggle more with emotional eating, or I'm really stuck on the fact that I don't want to change my body, or I really want to feel more pleasure from eating or whatever it is. Like we're, I'm going to spend more time, more emphasis on those specific things, but the framework of learning intuitive eating just undoes all of this stuff. Like each individual principle is vast. Like you go in deep on it and it changes your relationship with food. So for example, um, one of a huge one for a lot of people is principle number three, which is make peace with food. So what this means is like you said before about restricting something makes you want to eat it more, right? Mm -hmm. So in order to make peace of food, you have to give yourself full unconditional permission to eat anything, whatever you want, no concerns with health, weight, quantity, nothing. If you want it, you can have it. Unconditional permission, no side of guilt or shame. Okay. Once you fully, fully, like you're going to be working on this for a while. Once you fully have achieved that, and you're at peace with the fact that you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want, there's nothing stopping you. Then you go from being like, okay, I'm letting myself eat some brownies. I'm going to eat eight brownies, right? Because I'm giving myself back pre-intuitive eating, right? You're like, I'm giving myself permission to eat these brownies. So you're like, whew, I got to have all these brownies. As an intuitive eater, as someone who has that unconditional permission to eat, you know that you can eat brownies whenever you want. There is no pressure. There is no craving or urge to eat more brownies than actually satisfy you. So like that is just one example of the mindset shifts that happen that changes your natural eating behavior. That is really, it's really cool to think about. And it's something I've noticed in myself. Like it's, you know, I grew up with the I can't have junk food in the house because if I do, I'll sit and eat all of it at one time. Mm -hmm. um, and so for a long time, I believed that. But this, we're going off on tangents here. <laughs> Brace yourself. 
So I used, I used to live in Korea. So I lived there for three years, which is a whole other, you know, culture food awareness thing that I want to get into. Um, but since coming back from Korea, I don't have the same palate that I used to. So some of the stuff that I used to eat before I went, I no longer enjoy. But also I find that if I have something in the house that would be, you know, classified as junk food, I don't, you know, I don't desire it. Like it's there. Um, but I don't, I don't feel that, oh, I need to eat it all right now. Um, except for like during my moon cycle because I need to eat all the things. But <laughs> I, I find I've noticed these different patterns come up in myself, which I love because we were talking about this earlier. Like whenever we see this new pattern, we have this kind of resistance pop up and we're like, Ooh, new pattern. Woohoo. What's this? Um, I've noticed that in myself where I don't need to eat all of the things at one time. Yeah. But a lot of that I think has also come from, I guess more cultural awareness or cultural experiences. And so, you know, one of the, the biggest, biggest things that I have recognized since coming, moving back to Canada from Korea is portion sizes. It's insane. The amount of food that is put on your plate in a restaurant here. And I, it, like, it baffles me because it baffles me that one, I used to eat all of that because I didn't know, you know, that was what, Mm-hmm. That's what's in front of you. You don't eat all the food that's on your plate and you go to a restaurant and you have all this food. It baffled me the amount of food. And it, it took me, it I, that I think is where a lot of my awareness comes from is because I had to adjust myself. Like if I, in Korea, if I wanted French fries and if I was like on my moon cycle and I wanted a lot of French fries, I would order like two two fries and so when I did that the first time at coming back to Canada I was like I can't eat all of that like literally the portion sizes are almost double and I was just like I was baffled at what I didn't know before I left right um Mm -hmm. and it just brought it brought up like as you were just talking right right now a lot of diet culture is different everywhere, right? And I think having lived in, in a different country for as long as I did, I see the patterns there that we don't have here that aren't necessarily good, you know, that aren't healthy. But then I also see all of the stuff that we have here, the patterns that we have here that are not healthy. And I think like, you know, in Korea, food is art. It's a very, you know, social gatherings are very important in Korea. Um, and when you say in Korean, you don't ask someone like, how are you? Or how was your day? Like we would say here, you know, that was the first thing I said to you when you hopped on the zoom was, hi, you know, how are you in Korea? You would say, did you eat well today? Because food, I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's so That's amazing. And I, and I, I, oh my gosh, the, the first time someone said that to me, I was so confused. I was like, um, yeah, like, how are you? <laughs> you know, but like, that's, that's how you greet someone. Did you eat well today? And when you're out with your friends and you, you eat, you eat for like two hours. Like if you don't sit down and eat for multiple hours or, you know, have, have, go to a restaurant, have a meal go somewhere else, have a coffee, have a drink, and then move to a second restaurant, you're not doing it right. Right? It's a very social thing. It's a very, like, important thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are aspects of diet culture there, of course. But I just, I loved that about Korea. Yeah, that's amazing. And now I'm just sad (laughs) about (laughs) our food culture here. Where it's like, eat all the Okay, well, we're changing it. 
this is the movement okay we are fighting diet culture we are knocking it down and we are changing it we can go to three restaurants if we want we it. are going to make reservations stacked at three restaurants and go to each of them and enjoy <laughs> our time. yes I would um love- yeah I love that so I mean that's a huge thing like they you know did you feel like there was just like so much more pleasure in the like eating experience and just like enjoying it? Yeah. And, and, and it was all about just being present, like spending time with the people that you're there with. It's incredibly uncommon. It's not common to go somewhere by yourself like if you mm-hmm. in a lot of in a lot of restaurants actually if you go there by yourself and ask for a table for one they're like no like you can't, you can't come in here <laughs> that's wild it's a very it's a social experience and yeah. that that is the thing it's it's yeah. all around it's all about being present with the people that you're with mm-hmm. and enjoy being there with you know good people good food and a lot yeah. of drinks really but um it was never I never felt rushed and that's a big thing like whenever I went to a restaurant here I felt very like I was taking up too much time mm-hmm. like it was yeah. very like almost like you know you you kind of like see people looking at you and they're like you get that they need this table kind yeah. of vibe and you're like oh I better leave I better hurry up my food like eat my food and, yeah and go yeah. um but yeah yeah and I mean just so many juicy things that you've mentioned in there like social connection with eating like so powerful so beautiful that like we can sit down and share this experience this meal this food and like how empowering and just like important that is for our mental health and to feel connected and all of these things that we do lose a lot you know given our eating culture of go 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 you know they need the table so yeah that's beautiful I love that I also want to circle back to what you said like you were talking about portion control right Mm -hmm. so this is such a common one that people always are like, I struggle with portion control, I struggle with portion control. Um, ultimately, portion control doesn't matter or portions don't matter, right? Because we wanna shift to like focusing on internal cues instead of external cues. So the portion is external. How much food on your plate is external. How much you want to eat, how much you're hungry for, how much you decide that you're going to be eating, That's internal decision making so if you want the third fries you can always order them if you want if you order three fries and decide I only want one then that's also your internal decision making so like just yeah portion portions like give me all the food and I'll just eat how much <laughs> I think that that's, and I mean, of course, that brings in the intuitive part of of eating is rather than relying on those external things, which we're all taught to do. Absolutely. Just like the cleaning your plate thing, right? Mm -hmm. Your parents are like, clean your plate. The external thing is how much food is on your plate. They're deciding. So yeah. And it's like, again, like this is, everybody and most people don't even know what intuitive eating is because like everything that we're talking about is the norm right sometimes in having these conversations with people and we're talking about like the things that we learn as kids the patterns and the beliefs and you know the stories that we're told and not just related to food but everything <laughs> literally everything sometimes I'm just like oh, how did we make it as a society <laughs> how do we make it yeah um so let's talk about the intuitive part of eating so that looks like you know listening to your body understanding what feeling mm-hmm. full and feeling hungry look like and feel like um for you you know, knowing yourself, knowing your body, how do you begin to 
teach someone about that. If someone has, you know, feels like they have no connection to their intuition or to their body, because of Mm -hmm. course we're all born with intuitive gifts. We all have this intuitive ability that's been, you know, shaped out of us over years of conditioning. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you begin to bring people back to themselves, bring people back to that space? Yeah. So a couple of things here, um, because this is such a juicy question. So with the term intuitive, I think a lot of people get confused by the term intuitive eating and they do think about it as more of like a spiritual guidance with eating. And ultimately we know that like intuition is always like within yourself, right? It's always comes back to within you. Um, So it's not really this like, it's like we just were talking about the external versus internal. It doesn't come back to external guidance at all. It's always going to come back to that internal guidance. So intuitive eating, I think, relates so much. It gets really like complicated because it's not in and of itself like a spiritual thing. But I think that it's such a spiritual thing to do for yourself, right? Yeah. To You're not going to be pulling oracle cards and empowered. tell you how much you eat. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's totally like, it's, I feel like it's the forgotten self healing that mm-hmm. so many of us need, right? Yeah, absolutely. Of love for yourself. I mean, not to mention, we even mentioned like the body healing, ask the body love aspects of all of this. But yeah, it's like we, you know, I love, I practice energy work, right? So the Reiki and shadow work and all the, the awesome things but we forget about our relationship with food. And this is a huge part of self-healing. So back to your question about, you know, learning the intuitive aspect of it. So when you're going through the process of learning intuitive eating, it is not intuitive, right? You are following this framework to undo all of this havoc that was wreaked from diet culture. You are changing the way your thoughts are working. You are changing your relationship with food. You're changing the pleasure that you're experiencing when you eat. You're changing how mindful you are when you're eating. All of these things, right? It feels, we actually call it hyper-conscious awareness because everything becomes super, you become super aware, hyper-consciously aware of all of these things that are going on. And it feels like a lot. You're like, whoa, and this, and this, and this. Like this is, this feels hard, eating is hard, right? But once you've worked through all of that stuff and for everyone it's different how long it takes, but once you've worked through all of the stuff and the rewiring is done, it it becomes intuitive. That's when it becomes intuitive. It no longer is hyper-conscious. You're not aware of all this stuff. The decisions are just intuitive. You don't have to think that hard. So that's where the aspect of it, the term intuitive comes into the eating is that it's teaching you to have this eventual place with eating and food where it is intuitive, you know, intuitively what food you want, you know, intuitively what food is going to bring you the most pleasure, what food is going to bring you the most satisfaction, what food is going to energize you for what you have coming that day. So that's ultimately where it comes in. I love that. Like moving from this hyper awareness to intuitive awareness to with like awareness that comes from within I love that now I want to like yeah I'm like where am I (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think the other thing to mention is like mentioning like the hyper conscious awareness and the learning process of intuitive eating Mm -hmm. like if you think about it most people that are existing in our society and our culture with food, right? They're already hyper-conscious. They're already having this like hyper-conscious relationship with food where they're thinking really hard about every food choice they're making, um, what they're going to eat, how much they're going to eat, all of that stuff. So yeah, it's just a different type of hyper-conscious awareness, but that's, you know, the, the end goal is to no longer have to have it be so hard to think so hard. I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. I feel like that's where a lot of people get stuck is the thinking, first of mm-hmm. all. Yeah. And because so because so much of you know, like you said intuitive eating isn't spiritually based but but has a spiritual component and is almost like a 
can be like a jumping board to more spiritual things in terms of like when you start connecting with yourself and learning how to nourish yourself in a healthy aligned way you start kind of opening yourself up to more things I forget where I was going with this but (laughs) yeah Um, but you know you're not you know you're not pulling oracle cards to tell you how much food to eat or anything like that but um nope lost it where was I going with that I mean, yeah, like what you're saying, like, I'm not standing in front of the fridge and doing like body muscle testing or holding my pendulum as much as I love my (laughs) pendulum. And I love doing body muscle testing for literally every decision I make. Um, Yeah, I'm not standing in front of my fridge and going, should I eat cheese? Yes or no? And and, like, (laughs) leaning and stuff. So waiting for the pendulum to swing. Exactly. So it's, it's from within, right? You know, you don't have to, you know, I mean, I guess pendulum isn't technically external validation but yeah I can't remember what somebody else was gonna say and I also can't remember (laughs) there's so much to unpack in this conversation yeah okay one I remember what I was gonna say so another thing that's really interesting about this stuff is like a huge part of this is just physical sensations like that go on in our body and I have worked like my ideal client is the most spiritual bee, right? Like (laughs) I love a spiritual gal and I incorporate somatic meditations, which really focus on the physical sensations that we feel all over our body, not just in our digestive tract and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but whenever we have a physical sensation in our body, like there's an underlying message that our body is trying to tell us. Right. And so I've worked with some really spiritual people who are really like, have done a lot of work, like shadow work, all the healing modalities. And that is something that still needs a whole lot of work, right? Because it's not something we focus on a lot, especially with all of the healing modalities. It's like, we're up in the cosmos, like we're, we're out of this physical plane, but this stuff brings us back to our physical body into this physical plane. Right. So all of this, that's the thing about like intuitive eating is it's very physical. So listening to what our, our body's feeling. I mean, it can be, you know, hunger pain knocking. Right. But it could also be like, my knee has this weird sensation. Like, Hmm, let's explore that. Like, what is my body trying to tell me with this physical sensation? So learning to listen and understand learning the language that our body is trying to tell us in all ways, not just in terms of eating is going to enhance our ability to intuitively eat because we were listening to our body. So that's also a huge part of it. And in you saying that, I remembered what I was going to say before. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like what I was saying, what I was going to say is that I feel like a lot of people get stuck in the, in the thinking and in spirituality and in coming, you know, back to yourself and home to yourself for lack of a better word. I like to say home for yourself. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, like a a movement or a really common saying in, in different spiritual work of get out of your head and into your body, which is so true because every ounce of wisdom that you hold is in your body, right? Somewhere, like you said, connecting with your body thing. Oh, I have a pain in my knee today. I wonder what, you know, what's that from? Why is that there? You know, that kind of stuff. But I feel like a lot of us get stuck in that thinking where, we just get overwhelmed and we we get in our own way basically. Mm -hmm. And with the thinking, you know, the process of moving out of your head thinking into your body is healing. Right. And so that process is really, it's, I mean, it's difficult. It's hard to look at the patterns that you've learned And even though, you know, there are things that you've learned, you've picked them up from other people, we feel guilt around them, we feel shame around them, we feel fear of letting go of the patterns and the beliefs that we, that we're connected with and in bringing in new ones, more aligned ones. There's so much in that. And all of that is spiritual work. (laughs) But for anyone who's like stuck in that, I can't learn to do this. I 
I can't. How do you show them that they can? Good question. So I do want to preface my answer with saying I am a big, big believer in bodily autonomy. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it is anyone else's place to convince someone what is right for them. Right. So if someone's like deep into, you know, chronic dieting and stuff, I can show them like intuitive eating and show them like what that looks like, but I don't feel like it's my place to be like, no, you need to do this. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's, that's not my place. It's their place to make that decision for themselves. And definitely this, this is their inner work. Like this is the, the individual's inner work. I can't do the work for them as much as sometimes I want to. <laughs> um, I feel that. So <laughs> I want to be like, oh, I'll just do it for you. <laughs> but I can't. That's that's not how this works, right? So There's I no can healing show in that, them. Right? I'm sorry. There's no healing in that. In There's doing no it healing for them. in that. Absolutely not. So there has to be a certain level of readiness from the individual, and it has to be aligned with their path right? Like I'm, I, it's not my place to interfere with their path. So repeat your question again. Who's just, um, my question was, how do you help someone move through the, I can't phase? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if somebody comes in and they're like, I want to, but I can't, right. They're like, I want to do this, but I, but I don't feel like I can then we're going to explore that. We're going to explore where that's coming from, where that originated. Why can't you? So, I mean, that will be the starting place, right? And then at their own, on their own terms, their own pace, like that's when you dive in, when they develop that readiness. I love that. And I think there are different, there are phases to everything. Like the first thing that popped into my mind just now was the like moving from I can't, like I just can't, to I want to, but mm-hmm, I can't, mm-hmm. to I can do this. Yep. And what it makes me think of is this concept of safe and healing, healing safe. Like, well, tangent. <laughs> When I, you know, something that I've learned and that has really like stuck with me is this concept of like safe, healed, healed safe versus unhealed safe. And so like healed safe is when you're moving through something and you've set a boundary that you feel is necessary in that moment to help you move through whatever it is that you're moving through. And unhealed safe is when you've moved through those things but you keep that boundary in place, even though it no longer serves you, it's no longer aligned. Um, and when you were just saying, moving from I can't to I want to, but I can, it made me think of that, that healed safe versus unhealed safe where, you know, I can't is very un, is unhealed safe in the way that being so you know, attached to a belief, a thought, a pattern, even though it doesn't serve you and moving to this more healing, healing safe is kind of, is the middle part where you're, I want to, but I can't, I'm healing this pattern to, I can do this, which is you know, healed safe. Yeah. When I say safe, I mean, you know, energetically safe, feels right. safe, feels good in the body. Yeah, I love that comparison. I love this light that's around you right now. How divine is that? (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Oh my goodness. Okay. There's so this there's so much here. I feel like I've learned so so many new things. Now it's a process an integration. Yeah. It's intuitive eating is so vast. It's like so 
much to explain. Like I've barely brushed the surface of even explaining like what intuitive eating, like honestly, yes. And there's so many nuances to it. Like there's so many things that are like push and pull, but it's, and it's like kind of contradictory and it's like just finding the balance in a lot of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it goes really deep. So that's why it's, it takes, it takes a full process. Yeah. How do you, I don't want to say simplify this mm-hmm. because I feel like that kind of undermines the, you know, the vastness that intuitive eating is, but how do you present this in a way, like when someone comes to you, because I feel like this is very overwhelming for a lot of people. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot of information. It's a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of changes, a lot of shifts, and it can be very overwhelming, almost feeling like not an an attack kind of on the beliefs and the patterns that people already hold in that how do you present this to people in a way that's comforting but also you know telling people this is this is a lot of work are you ready for this Mm -hmm. yeah this is this is the challenge. <laughs> I mean, you could just say that this is a lot of work. Are you ready? <laughs> but, yes, 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 yes. I mean, a lot of it that is in like itself is overwhelming. This, I feel like, what you're talking about right here is the struggle with I find for everybody with intuitive eating on social media. Like, it's not really like if you scrolled through like different social intuitive eating social media accounts, like it's not very easy to figure out like what intuitive eating actually is, mm-hmm. and a lot of people just have like a major misconception of what it is. For instance, my fiance was talking to a personal trainer the other day and he was like, I know. I love fiance stories. They're always good. They're always good. (laughs) He, the trainer was like talking about different diets, example of diet culture and saying like, yeah, I've tried paleo and I've tried this and, and, oh, and he started talking about how I do intuitive eating. And he was like, oh yeah, I've, I've done, I know about intuitive eating. I've done intuitive eating. I usually do it for a couple months and then I feel like I need more. And then I try something else. And then maybe I go back to it. Right. This is the exact opposite of the point of intuitive eating <laughs> is intuitive eating is this permanent, you know, rewiring and change of our eating and it's, it's not to be looked at as just another diet, right? It's not right. just a set of, it's not a set of rules. It's not about being perfect. It's not about following and all of that. It's about shifting and like, you know, eventually listening to our intuition on this stuff. So that's just an example of how a lot of people have a misconception of what intuitive eating is. And I think like you're saying, it's because it is so complicated and it is so difficult to explain because it is so complex. So back to your question, like the comforting way is to talk about what that person needs, right? So like whatever the person, the individual is searching for, whatever they feel like they need to be working on, I think that the comfort part comes into, you know, if it's aligned with them, if it's actually the right choice for them, like presenting the stuff that's going to help them on their healing journey, presenting it to them in a comforting way where they can say, okay, yes, this is for me. This is what I need. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the major points are like things I said today about um, making peace with food and like wiring our brain around that stuff, listening to our physical sensations. Another one is about pleasure that's a huge one is like relearning pleasure with food because that's another thing that drives our eating behavior. A lot of the food choices we make are for pleasure. We're seeking pleasure, which is not bad at all. Okay. I love that. We should be seeking pleasure with food. We mm-hmm. should be Absolutely. feeling pleasure from food. Um, but we oftentimes don't let ourselves feel it when we're eating because subconsciously we've been taught that that's shameful, that that's bad somewhere along the way and so when we don't actually get the pleasure that we needed we're not satisfied and we keep seeking more so just these are the little things that 
you know, if people can like connect to these aspects, then you can take the leap and like dive in deeper. I, I feel like I need to take some time and integrate everything that you just said. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I, I'm very, like, my eyes are very wide open to everything that you said. And I think starting with that definition of intuitive eating, because like you said, it is, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And even one of them that I made in recording this is the connection like of intuition and intuitive in the term mm -hmm. intuitive eating, right? So thank you for educating me. We are, we are complete because now I need to integrate all of this. I hope I didn't overwhelm you. <laughs> no, no. I'm feeling very like energized by all of this new information. And for me, and like okay. I've had this happen to me one other time in a podcast recording with someone where I, I, I had to end the conversation because I felt like I didn't have, I didn't have any more questions. I didn't have anything else and I'm feeling this way now where like, I don't feel like can, I can add to this conversation any longer from anything, like from something of my perspective or of my experience, because I've been presented with new information that is like expanding me. I Does love that. that. Make sense? So thank you for the expansion. <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah, like, this This is very complete for me right now in this moment because I can't, I can no longer, like, add to this conversation from my end. But I would love for you to add more. If you have more, like, <laughs> you would love to bring I mean, I could just go on and on and on and on, <laughs> so. This is amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's fight diet culture. I guess my only other question for you is like, is there any, like back to our like initial conversation about like divine intervention, like, mm -hmm. are there any more things that you pull from this more in a spiritual way? More in a spiritual way. Well, you know, I would say and you asking that question, like, I just had this, like, download. But it's something I've been thinking about for the past couple of weeks, really. And, like, now, because I woke up to a message from you saying, can you record this today? Um, and I said yes. Because, of course, divinely, I'm free. Right? Of course I am. But something that I've been kind of noticing in myself is, like, when I'm busy. Okay. Let me, let me back up. So something I've noticed for a while is that when I am in flow, like when I am just like feeling the fire, feeling the passion and I am working and loving every second of it, like none of it is out of like lack. Um, I like forget to eat because I'm so just in the energy of the work that I'm doing of whatever it is that I'm working on, I forget to eat. But on, you know, again, we're bringing back this duality. Whenever I'm not feeling myself, whenever I'm, you know, feeling off, feeling blah, feeling just like shit, food is the first thing, like nourishing my body is the first thing to go. Whereas like I don't, or if I'm just like feeling like crap, I'm just, I just like don't eat because I don't, feel like it basically is kind of how it presents where I'm like, Oh, like, I don't, I don't want to cook anything. Like I, I don't have the energy for that. So that's been something that's been kind of playing on my mind lately is like, whenever I'm not feeling myself, nourishing my body is the first thing that I stop doing. Hmm. Yeah. What do you think that means? 
So what is the divine? I love how this conversation is just totally flipped. <laughs> just totally flipped on me. Guys, this is what it's like to work with Hannah firsthand. Okay. <sighs> what do I think? Well, and even in that, there's a duality because, like, if you don't nourish your body, you're only going to continue to feel like shit. Now, well, what I just like, so I'm Claire audience, so like I hear hear messages from, you know, my guides from divine, is um. Pay. I just heard like pay attention to how how I've been eating or like what I've been eating before I feel like crap before I feel out of flow out of alignment like what is like what is activating that feeling out of flow out of alignment is that it must have something to do with food or I wouldn't have heard that (laughs) in this moment but yeah like paying more attention to what kind of puts me in this place of feeling out of flow and more and because then I don't feel like eating I love that now for anyone who is ready for Hannah to just like take over this conversation and and ask you personally what is the divine trying to tell you what are you feeling into in this moment for anyone who is listening and is like, I need for Hannah to flip this shit on me. Where do people go, Hannah? Where do they find you? Mm-hmm. How do they work with you? What programs you mentioned a group program that's launching some one-on-one stuff. Yep. Yep. So I have a few um, one-to-one spots left. I If you're interested in working with me, we will talk about what is right for you as far as like length of time working together and all that good stuff. You can find me on Instagram at the intuitive GI dietitian. Um, You can also find me on my website, which is mindbellysoul.co. And you can always book a discovery call there too, if you're interested in chatting Um, You can DM me on Instagram and I have a group program that will be launching soon. So stay tuned for that. I'll be posting about it on social media. Um, Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. This has been amazing. And I love it because I've, I've never had anybody (laughs) flip it, flip it on, flip this table on me. (laughs) I love it. This has, like, actually been so incredible. Like, so informative. And information is the first step in, you know, in, in intuition and connecting with yourself and in, sure, you know, connecting sure. within. So thank you for all of this and for all the expansion and for the the mini healing session there. <laughs> I love it. So I have one last question for you that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what does luxuriously fierce mean to you? Yeah, I think that to me, luxuriously fierce means stepping in to who you are, like doing the inner work that you need to be, that you need to do in order to be able to step into your true self and be empowered in who you are and walk the path that you need to walk. And yeah, living a luxuriously fierce life. I love it. I love that. I love that answer. One of my favorite things about this podcast is learning what everybody else's definition of luxuriously fierce is and what it means to them. It's my favorite. Thank you so much for being here. This has been absolutely amazing. And like that is not even, that doesn't even feel like the most aligned word that I could use. It's just the word that's coming to me but just phenomenal. Thank you so much.
If you loved this episode or know someone who would, share it and show some love. Screenshot the episode in the app, share it to your Instagram stories along with your favorite fierce moment from the episode. And don't forget to tag me at Luxuriously Fierce Podcast. You can also subscribe, leave a review, and follow me on Instagram at Luxuriously Fierce Podcast and at Luxuriously Fierce underscore. Thank you for listening to today's episode and don't forget to tune in next week for more things Luxuriously Fierce. The Luxuriously Fierce Podcast is sponsored by Goddess Support, an oracular online business management company providing you high-level intentional support so you can be the creative and visionary in your business. Goddess Support goes the distance that traditional business coaching doesn't. Imagine having a turnkey team of goddesses that have your back with everything from strategy to implementation. That's what's possible with Goddess Support. We exist to serve the goddess that is you, and we are honored to help fulfill your big vision. Learn more at goddess.support or find us on Instagram at goddess.support.